find your passion. It's not easy to find it. Some people take a whole lifetime and never find it. For me, starting GABN, being local in my community, being more connected with my family, I wake up every morning and love what I do. Welcome back to Chat with Leaders, where we amplify the voices of leaders who use business and influence as a force for good. We believe that it's their example that will have a tremendous impact on our next generation of servant leaders who will carry us forward into our bright, sustainable future. Today, we're in for a treat because I'm sitting down with Nigel Zelser, the co-founder and managing partner of JB and Consulting in Atlanta, Georgia, which was founded in 2006 with the vision of creating a company that could provide amazing client service, a place for employees to pursue their passions, and a commitment to be an integrated partner in the community in which it serves. I'm so blessed to serve on the Conscious Capitalism Atlanta chapter with Nigel and have learned so much from his leadership. And I'm just so thankful that we get to sit down today and share some insights with you all about his story, why he founded JB and Consulting, why he loves Conscious Capitalism, and the importance of mentoring and passing down that wisdom to the next generation. All right, let's jump into this conversation with Nigel Zelser. What do you wish everybody knew about the field of management consulting and what ultimately drives your why? Yeah, so thanks, Jeff. Great question. I think management consulting is really one of the best careers one can have. At the end of the day, you're solving problems for some of the best brands, the biggest names out there. And it just is fun. You get to help help people. And I find that to be uh, really dynamic and really exciting. But there are consequences of management consulting, right? If, uh, if I first paint the picture of what normal management consulting is, normal management consulting is something whereby over time, you have a specialty and you become really skilled. Those skills, because you're so skilled, are needed. They're needed probably all over the world, in different cities, in different states, sometimes in different countries. And so when that happens, classic management consulting will pack up their bags on a Sunday night, go to that dreaded airport on a Sunday night where the TSA lines are really long, get on a plane, land somewhere that evening, check into some hotel, and spend the week doing their thing, what they're really good at and solving problems for a client. And, and that side of the work, very similar, great. Um, and then on Friday, maybe Friday afternoon, again, the dreaded airport on a Friday afternoon, fly home. And when they get home, they're probably tired from that week because all they've done is really work. And they get to say hi maybe to their family if they have a family Friday night. And maybe they do something fun on Saturday. Well, and they wake up on Sunday, hopefully they've done their laundry because they're packing that bag again. And it's kind of a rinse and repeat in their back, back on. And so that's the downside of management consulting. And so about 16 years ago, myself and two business partners started JP Consulting. And we said, we're all ex-big management consulting people. And we said to ourselves, how can we do what we love? but do it in a way that's so much more enjoyable. And so uh, at JBM, we built a local, and I'll stress that word local, management consulting company. And local means that every single person gets to work and live and play in their local community. And so we looked at it. We looked at all the different stakeholders that were involved and said, you know, it's more than just serving a client, which is really important. That's what management consulting is all about. 
but there are other stakeholders, stakeholders like maybe your significant other, stakeholders like your family and your community and your friends and your gym. It's amazing when you're out of town that you never go to a gym. And so what we created was an environment where people could be management consultants in Atlanta. There's amazing companies all need lots of help. We serve those people. Um, maybe we're not just a specialty in one area. We have to be, have specialties in lots of areas because we want to serve our local community. But we do so knowing that every single night we get to sleep in our bed. We get to kiss our kids goodnight or have dinner with them. We get to go to our local community event that might be on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night, not just on a Saturday. And so that's what we've created. And so today, I like to look at JBN as a, a greenhouse for top performance. Everyone on, in, in our organization has a personal platform. It means, what are you famous for? And we're out to make people famous first internally in the organization and then externally in their local community. And so this is just a little bit of management consulting with a twist, a local twist. Love how you address that tension and the consequences that are incurred with management consulting. And I've seen that happen a lot with people in their 20s that really enjoy that lifestyle, but all of a sudden get burnt out on it and they start to grow families and they and they want to be more present. They want to get off the road. That's a common narrative. So what part of your personal story growing up led you to feel this tension, see this tension, and want to create a new way? I had it really personal. I had it at home. I would say the person I admire the most growing up, and it's probably natural, was my dad. Um, from a business perspective, love my mother as well, but from a business perspective, uh, was my dad. And he came from nothing. And so he grew a business, a large business, and was also kind of like in that consulting world. But what I watched for dad, uh, maybe in my first 15 years of life, is he traveled everywhere Monday through Friday, four days a week, because his business required it. And so as much as he was a loving father, for most of my young life, he was home for the weekends and spent them with me. He would have great vacations. But in reality, for the month, he was really gone. And so as I saw that and experienced it firsthand, and I now have had had kids and had a spouse, didn't make sense. And it's not the way I wanted to raise my kids. So for me, it was, he taught me everything I needed to know about hard work, growing a business, and those type of values. But I also realized the childhood I had is not the childhood I wanted for my kids. And so I wanted to be able to see them. It wasn't the relationship I wanted to have with my wife. I wanted to see her every single day. That's why we got married. And so he was my inspiration. And he taught me what I needed to see so that I could do it slightly different. When did you first realize this desire to go into management consulting? And do you feel like you were acutely aware of this need to create a better balance of work and life when you were starting your career? Or was that something that maybe you kind of reconciled later on in your journey? For whatever reason, I felt really blessed. I went to university. Um, I got a degree in this particular space. And so the concept of consulting, I kind of knew I just wanted to do it. I liked solving problems. And I liked solving problems for others. I really enjoyed that. 
But the concept of being more connected to your community, knowing your friends better and being around, I didn't have that. I was, as I described, part of a management consulting system that had me on the road, had me away from folks. And so I would say mid-career, I kind of woke up one day and said, this is not the way I was very successful, but that's not the way I want to live my life. I knew everyone in my company. I didn't know anyone in my community. And so when we started JB, and that was my eye opener to say, I want to get more connected into the community. I want to have a, it was also approximately when my kids were the youngest and just had been born, I wanted to have a relationship with them. And so even today, I do a lot of mentoring. Sometimes it's for older generation, but I do a lot with students. I, I personally have a 21-year-old son and a 19-year-old daughter. And as much as they want to listen to dad, sometimes dad says stuff and they don't want to listen, but we have great discussions and there's mentoring going on there. And this generation wants to do something with purpose, wants to put their passions in the, in the right place. And if not, they're not going to work in those particular organizations. Um, I've had lots of conversations with my son who's done a ton of internships throughout his uh, college career so far. And in some cases, the job has been really, really interesting, but hasn't paid very well. He's had other jobs that paid really well, but the job's horrible. And so we've had these discussions of your goal in life. It's hard. Some people never achieve this goal, but your goal in life is to find work where you kind of have work-life integration, not work-life balance. I don't believe in work-life balance. It's more that work-life integration whereby you are doing stuff in your community that connects to stuff you're doing in work and that you have passion and purpose. And in, in essence, at the end of the day, you wake up and you say, I really enjoy what I do. And you're excited to get out of bed. And you're excited to go serve your community, serve your work world, help your peers. And that's kind of the coaching that I've given. And that's what I, I would give to your listeners. Find your passion. It's not easy to find it. Some people take a whole lifetime and never find it. For me, starting JBN, being local in my community, being more connected with my family, I wake up every morning and love what I do. Talk a lot about the mentor relationship. And I think that's uh, almost a loss of art, the mentor-mentee relationship and how critical that, that can be in terms of finding that purpose and passion. For the next-gen leader or professional who hears this wisdom and takes it to heart, where would they even start with finding a mentor and building that kind of relationship? I think mentors in your life and all parts of your life are extremely important. I, I would say first to the next generation of leaders, just open your eyes. There are mentors all around you. Your friends are mentors. Your spiritual leaders are, are mentors. Your past clients can be mentors. But what you need to figure out is what are they best at and how can they help you for whatever you need? I like to think of putting together, and I have this myself, of a set of mentors. And I, I think of them kind of as my board of directors, my board of advisors, a group of individuals who can help me. Sometimes I'm looking for help in the business world. Sometimes I'm looking for help from a technology community where I have a, a large network. It is associated with networking. And so having a network is how you meet more people. And you'd be surprised. I don't have an advisor who isn't proud of helping. People enjoy helping each other. That's part of nature. 
And so when you go to someone and say, hey, can you help me in this particular case? This is what I'm trying to work on. They either say yes or no, and in most cases say yes. So for the next gen art leaders, understand where you have passions. No one knows everything. Uh, the road ahead is not normally super clear. And start to put together a, a set of board of advisors that can help you uh, navigate this life that we're in. Great advice. I want to go back to you talking about being famous in your community and being a local engaged citizen uh, within your community. And one of the things I greatly admire about Jabian is that many of your team members sit on boards. They're actively involved in the community. What has been the impact of your team finding these areas of passion and, and really for you too, for being able to help them as a leader, find those areas of passion so that they could serve in the community and expand their influence through that? Great point. Again, when, when we established a local model, we said to folks, hey, you, you're going to have now all of this time in your local community. So join us because we want folks who want to serve in their local community. Um, this is not a just a nine to five thing, and then I'm never going to see you again. And so we have our own nonprofit called JPN Cares. We established it right at the beginning, a couple of years after we started JPN. And it's a, an employee-led board, and it supports leadership in nonprofits. It supports financial support and just general support to really all local nonprofits. And so people come into the organization, and as I described before, over time, they become famous externally. And so helping individuals connect to where they have passion, we take really serious. We don't tell anyone, thou shalt go do this. But we ask them, what are you passionate about? Oh, I'm passionate about food and helping the folks who are hungry. Or I'm passionate about uh, child literacy. And as we understand that, we encourage them. Okay, well, here's an organization I think you should go check out. Again, I don't say, go sit on that board. Because if you don't like the people or it isn't where you have passion, serving on the board is not a good, a good idea. But we tell the folks to go explore it. Um, we support them through the nonprofit of JB and Cares. They become famous in their local community because they're some of the brightest, smartest folks out there. And it is really, really amazing to see what people can do. I have seen individuals and it's not unusual, have to go find their passion. And so that's a little um, soul searching. In one gentleman's case, he really wanted to help people who were homeless and hungry and out there. And he found an organization that uses food that is going to be wasted and connects that food to food pantries and nonprofits out there. And the end product is people being fed. But for this gentleman, he has found passion. He now serves on their board. He's put together their business development plans because that's what he does with clients. And this organization is extremely strong, not just because of him, but because of the leadership he's brought together to handle his passion and the community's needs. Story, and I know of many within the JBN family uh, of how you're impacting the broader Atlanta community. And it, it truly is remarkable how you're empowering and facilitating that with your leaders and your people within your organization. So we, we thank you for that. Uh, it's making a huge difference. In what ways has your growth as a business through conscious capitalism, where we're uh, blessed to serve together, how has this elevated your capacity to scale your business, both profit and the impact you're having in the community? 
Yeah, so very passionate about conscious capitalism. And thanks, Jeff, as well, for serving uh, on our Atlanta chapter. Uh, maybe I'll just start off with capitalism. Some people think that's a horrible word. I actually think capitalism is the greatest thing that's ever happened to mankind. It is important to make money. That means we can use that money to do better things in this world. And so doing it in a conscious way is extremely important. So let's think that through a little bit. From a for-profit perspective, our whole focus is around making our community bigger and better. If we can make our community bigger and better, well, then there's going to be more clients, more need. But we do a tremendous amount of uh, pro bono work. Um, and again, the pro bono work is not always just for nonprofits. It's to make our community better. So maybe a couple examples of that is about maybe 10 plus years ago is just one example. State of Georgia did not have any form of technology strategy. It's hard to kind of believe, but nothing was written down on paper. And so we got with the local house and local Senate, and we worked under the gold dome to work with a set of individuals to actually put an entire strategy together. Clearly, we're not politicians, uh, and the politicians processed that strategy over the last 10 years. I'm proud to say, I think Georgia's really advanced tremendously technologically over the last 10 years. That's just like one example where we put the whole strategy together on our own time. Again, didn't tell anyone to do it, said to my organization, we have the opportunity to do this. Who would like to do it? And lots of hands went up. Uh, another great example is uh, when Arthur Blank decided to build the new amazing Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And Arthur's a very conscious person. And when he built it, he built it on, on the west side. And he had two choices. He knew he was going to build it in one of the poorest neighborhoods in Atlanta. And he had two choices from that perspective. One, disperse of all the poor people in that community and build his amazing stadium. Or two, build his amazing stadium and show how economic development can rise everyone in that particular community. Now, it wasn't just going to be magic. He knew that it would take work. And that was the second choice he picked. And so we partnered with a variety of uh, top business leaders here in Atlanta with the Arthur Blank Foundation. And we helped put the strategy together for a public-private partnership, which today is known as the Westside Future Fund. All of that work, again, was done pro bono. If you've watched the West Side, it's still got a long journey. But day after day, they're getting better. And, and that vision is coming together. And again, very proud of what people have been able to do. Again, why did they do it? Some people live in that neighborhood. Some people live on that west side. Again, didn't tell them what to do. They wanted to get involved because they wanted their community to be a better place. Uh, one point to bring out, and he was also on your show, which would be Dan Gordon. Dan Gordon as you think about community and thinking about the fabric, Dan Gordon is the leader of our Atlanta office. And I'm proud to say that Dan was just recognized in the Atlanta Business Chronicle for being the volunteer citizen of the year uh, in Atlanta. Back to the fabric again, Dan doesn't think about it as work. It, he thinks about it as his mission is just to serve and to serve in the community. It's just wonderful to see that kind of recognition. It is wonderful. And Dan is just such a, an amazing steward in Atlanta and at JBN. And I'm just so proud to, to know him and have his influence in, in my life. I wanted to ask too about this idea of capitalism being evil, right? And this kind of debate over scarcity mindset and just using more and more resources and 
that there has to be a cap to the amount of consumption. But to, to me, everything that you described is taking existing resources of uh, technology, infrastructure, people, legacy citizens, and not replacing any of it, but finding a way to make it better and to empower the next generation. And I think when you're developing people and systems and making things more efficient, you are creating a brighter, more sustainable future where we can be better stewards, going back to that word, to strengthen the fabric of our community. So when, when you hear people attack capitalism, how do you approach those types of conversations and that debate? It's not unusual. And it's also not unusual sometimes for my younger generation who have to some degree being brainwashed that capitalism is a bad thing. If we step back a little bit, it's not unusual why. You've got the media sometimes saying capitalism is a bad thing. To be honest, you've got some of the top MBA programs throughout the entire country teaching people that capitalism is evil. It has war. I win, you lose. And so when I have those discussions, I really come back to the pillars of conscious capitalism showing that capitalism can be used for good, how it helps take people out of poverty, which it has done over the years. I talk about stakeholdership, that I serve all stakeholders in my capitalism. The fact that I'm raising great children or having a good marriage or being on a nonprofit board that helps our community, that's empowered from my ability of capitalism. If I didn't have that time or or didn't have the ability to do it, I wouldn't be able to do this. And so we think about that on a regular basis. You know, I have offices in Charlotte and Dallas and Chicago, all local. When we open those offices, we say to ourselves, which city can we make the greatest impact in? And that's one of the criteria about opening it. And again, it's using capitalism so that we can actually grow our communities for the better. Uh, then, as you said, depleting its resources. Just taking doesn't work. How have these principles of conscious leadership and stakeholder orientation in your community, how has that impacted your ability in the midst of this great resignation that everyone's talking about to retain top talent at JBN? Yeah, for sure. The great resignation's real. And if anyone's saying it's easy to keep a workforce and find new resources, I, I wouldn't believe them. It's hard for everyone, but I think we're doing a really great job. And in fact, if I go back a little bit and think about 2020, it has to have been the worst year for many people. For a business and from a capitalism perspective, it impacted JBN tremendously. Um, when all of a sudden April, May of 2020 came along, business all but stopped. And you very quickly your principles come out at that point in time. We had a choice, fire everyone, uh, shut the shop, just close the door, or the choice we selected was, no, maintain every single person, fire no one, and hold down the fort. We knew it would come back. We knew the economy would come back. And it was amazing to see what happened. First of all, as an organization, I felt like we bonded like there was no other time in our history. Yes, we were all remote, but we used technology. We got together. People re helped reinvent the firm a little bit because they had time on their side. People did a lot of pro bono work to help our community. And so that's a basis. That's a bond. That's a point in time. If you fast forward to 2021 and, and 2022, 
we came out of COVID extremely strong because we had the world's greatest team. And so when you come out strong and you're successful, that builds momentum and we have tremendous momentum. That said, do people leave Jabian? They certainly do leave Jabian. At one point in time, they used to make me sad. I, I guess I'm still a little bit sad, but actually I'm really proud because what I watch is people who have come into an organization, have become famous, have found their place in the community and are on to their next chapter. As I talked about earlier on, a board of advisors. I had an advisor once tell me in this particular situation how proud he was, and this is how I feel, to be able to look out into the Atlanta community and go see that leader running that amazing organization. They once worked for Jabian. And so keep to your principles, have an amazing culture, help people grow, serve your community, um, and the rest will take care of itself. That's one of the most sustainable things you can do is develop people, empower them to go out in the world and make a great difference. So really well said, Nigel. Uh, if people wanted to learn more about Jabian, learn more about you, follow you online, where would you guide them? Best place to come is jabian.com. You can also find me out on LinkedIn is the best source to find me out there. Not too much more on social media, but Jabian is. And you can find Jabian on Twitter. You can find Jabian on Facebook. We will be sure to include all of those resources in the show notes and on chatwithleaders.com and all the podcast directories. Nigel, such a gift to know you. Thank you for your, your time and sharing your wisdom with our listeners today. Thank you, Jeff. And I appreciate what you do and putting on this show and, and getting us connected to our community. Thank you so much. Well, that wraps up another edition of Chat with Leaders. Thank you for investing your time with us today. If you haven't already, we would be grateful if you shared this episode with a friend and rated it on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts so we can pass down the wisdom from our guests to more aspiring leaders. If you're interested in launching a professional podcast to grow your business, we would love to help. Check out chatwithleaders.com for more information and feel free to reach out by emailing team at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again and go be a leader worth following. Thank you.